0: I am the, uh, the pastor for RUF uh, here, and um, this is too low. So, yeah, it's great. I hope to meet all of you at some point. So, thanks, Sophie. <laughs> what a comedy mirrors. Let me not talk and try and do one thing for a second. <laughs> Okay, uh, I think we're on back in track. All right, so anyways, welcome to RUF. It's great to see you all tonight. Uh, I hope you all have had a had a, good, a good week three. I've, uh, I know I have started off good. I threw out my back playing spike ball with a couple of you on Wednesday night, and then I picked my daughter up, and it got worse, and so I'm hurting tonight. <laughs> so if that dates me, there you have it. That is how old I am. Um, So, hey, welcome. We're glad you're here. I just want to real quick plug um, the fall conference. That is September 24th through 26th. I think those are, um, yeah, those are the dates. And if you are a new student in RUF and or a freshman, uh, we are going to offer a 75% scholarship to you. So um, that, if that doesn't sweeten the deal, I don't know what will. So um, come, we're going to have two computers in the back after large group to start registering. We still have time, to, to, you know, but, but uh, if you want to come, you're in, you're new, or something like that. And if, if you're like, John I want to come, I can't afford it, I need help paying for it too, talk to me, we can get you a scholarship too. Payton? Will it be more fun than homecoming? Yeah, <laughs> I can tell you that, it, that the football game will not be better than what we're doing. <laughs> so... Yeah, it's going to be good. So, um, yeah, I hope that you can, uh, yeah, I hope that you can come. So um, this semester we've been studying, we've been working through the Bible and we've been studying um, the book of Matthew and we've been looking at what I'm calling the heart of the king, the heart of the king, uh, which is how, who is Jesus and what is, what is, what is he about? What's his disposition towards you, towards me, towards a campus? You know, Jesus is this person who lived a long time ago in a land far, far away and here we are a lot later a lot further away and does it still matter to where we are today and so that's what we're looking at today and uh, that is what we are looking at tonight and uh i'll start this way two weeks ago we had um, freshmen over to my house for dinner which plug we're doing again this tuesday night Woo-hoo! so if you're a freshman come to eat eat dinner with me like we cook good food it's tasty so um come have dinner with us and we'll hang out but anyways we did this two weeks ago and we were just getting to know each other, and we were talking about our favorite movies, and of course Marvel comes up, and we're talking about the Marvel movies, and we're all talking about which one we love, and we, you know, I love Captain America, somebody loved Thor, uh, somebody loved Infinity War, and uh, there's just, you know, there's, everybody has it, ha- loves the Marvel movies, like there's a reason why they are such a successful franchise. And um, that's not just the Marvel movies. We love Harry Potter, we love Lord of the Rings, we love Hunger Games, we love all Stranger Things, all of these things, these epic stories. What do we love about them? What do we love about these huge stories? Like, uh, you know, why do they strike a chord? It's because they, they, they put really, really high stakes into the life of a human being. And then they, they, they picture before us The epic battle of good versus evil. This ultimate evil versus ultimate good with good having to find some way to to triumph. And, and, And we love that, that idea of cosmic combat. And I would argue that the reason that we all love these stories is because they tap into the very real cosmic combat that is happening in the life that we live right now and in the life of the Bible. That the Bible is the original story of ultimate good versus ultimate evil of cosmic combat. Strip the Bible down to its core and that's what you have, is this vision and uh, this this story. And tonight we're going to see perhaps one of the most pitched battles in all of the Bible of this world of the conflict and we're going to see Jesus the king fighting against the king of evil and we're going to see how that uncovers a bit more of his heart and why it matters today so last week we saw the heart of the king and his love and his compassion and his grace towards those who repent and turn to him this week we're going to see the heart of the king who is locked in mortal combat against an ultimate evil and how he triumphs. And so we're going to look at this in three ways. We're going to look at three uh, words that start with the letter C. So we're going to look at Jesus as combative against evil. Jesus as committed to the word and Jesus as conqueror on our behalf, combative of evil, committed to the word and conqueror on our behalf and how it shows us his heart and why it matters. And so I'll read this text as you, as we're dialoguing up here, shoot me a text and, uh, my phone number is on your piece of paper and we will, I'll dialogue with those anonymously after we're done because I don't want just me talking. I want to hear what y'all are thinking. So text me as I'm up here talking. And so I'm going to read this piece of the Bible and then, uh, We'll comment on it. So, this is Matthew chapter 4. It should be on your bulletins. This is God's Word. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And he said to him, all these things I I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Let me pray. Father in heaven, as we look at your word tonight, I pray that your spirit would work in and through me, and that you would work in and through these people gathered, and that the net effect would be greater than the parts, that you would be glorified, that we would be encouraged and fed, and that your kingdom would go forth through it. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so uh, text me if you have questions. We'll look at this. So the first thing I want to look at as we look at this idea of cosmic combat is that uh, the, the, the Jesus' heart is combative with evil. So if you remember from last week, or if you don't know what just happened, last week Jesus was just baptized. And just as he was baptized, uh, which was his initiation and calling into what he was going to do as the Son of God, the sky opens up and the Father declares, this is my beloved Son. I'm well pleased with him. The next moment, the next moment, what does it say? And Jesus was led into the Spirit. And so now we have Jesus' role as Savior, and now he's going out to begin his role of saving, and he encounters opposition right away, this form of the, of, of, of Temptation from Satan, but it gets worse. He doesn't eat for forty days, right? So he is extremely depleted. He's at like the maximum of what a human can survive without expiring from starvation. He's super depleted, and Satan appears. The devil appears. Now, what's up with this? You know, we live in a we live in a scientific world. We live in this. We're just like, ah, what does Satan think? This is strange. What is this? Well. Satan, the devil, he is, he is a real, the Bible portrays him. He says this is a real supernatural being who is the great arch enemy of God and of his creation. And if you know your Bible, you know that Satan rebelled against God at the, before God had created anything. He rejected God's kingdom. He rejected his rule. And then he successfully tempted Adam and Eve to disobey God and to reject God and his rule. Um, And so, so Satan has one goal in all of, for as long as he's, as he's been around, he's had one goal, which is to lead himself and lead other humans into ignoring and rejecting God and to rebelling against God. And from that comes all evil, all the evil in our world, all the brokenness in our world traces back to Satan. He is the arch nemesis. He is the ultimate enemy. And this text tells us that he is real, that he is active, and he's wicked. He's real, he's active, and he's wicked. And, and to put a point on it, he wants nothing less than to lead you into sin, to leave you in your ministry, to cause others to harm and abuse and hurt you, to expose you to God's justice. He is eternal evil. He's wicked. He's real and he does war against Christ and against his saints. And so now we come to the, the point, the pointy end of this cosmic combat. If you were to make a movie, this would be one of the Marvel movies of this, of what we just read, of Jesus at war with Satan. And so Jesus, he comes and tempts Jesus and, J, and he tempts him three three times. Verse three, look at the text. He says, hey, you're hungry. I know you're hungry. You haven't eaten for, three, for 40 days. You know the sky the heavens just declared that you are God's son. You know you're God's son. I know you're God's son. Why don't you make some bread for yourself? And so in this he's tempting Jesus at his weakest point and his human most frail point of he's hungry. He says you just got baptized, feed yourself. You're not we we both know you're God's son. Prove it. Verse 6, he comes to Jesus in his strong spice. First he comes to Jesus in his weakness. Then he goes, he goes to Jesus in his strength and says, Hey, we know you're God's son. If you're God's son, which you and I both know, you're very close to the Father. He's going to defend you. Throw yourself off this mountain. What's he? We know he, the Bible's told us what he's going to do. He said, Presumably he's going to defend you. He'll, he won't let a, a stone hurt your foot. And then third, he tempts Jesus with Jesus' very mission. He says, oh, your job is to rule and save and redeem everything. You want to give, I'll give you it all. You can have it all. Now, whether or not it's Satan's to give, we don't know. But Satan at least lies and says, you can, we can shortcut your mission. Just worship me. And what does Jesus do? So great, y'all. Jesus wades in to the combat with the, with the evil one. He's like, let's go. Let's go. This is what I'm here for. Jesus is a zealous warrior. He, even in his hunger, even in his depletion, he's eager to do battle with the evil one. And this is why he came. Listen to what 1 John 3:8 says. John says this, he says, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. That's one way, that's what Jesus, that's what John says Jesus came for. The reason that God that Christ appeared. The reason that Christ appeared is to destroy the works of the devil. That's the whole point of his coming to earth. One way you could define Jesus' whole heart, we're asking this question, what is the heart of the king? One way that you could define, you would not be wrong if you said his whole mission is to eradicate Satan and his allies and his works in creation. Jesus came to destroy the evil one and evil. Have you thought about it that way? Jesus is the aggressor. This is what the Bible means when it says the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I don't know of anything that captures this better than the story of the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. Some of you have read it, some of you maybe haven't, and so I'll describe it. It's a, it's a book that was written in the 1940s by a great Christian author named C.S. Lewis, and he writes about a magical land called Narnia. And in this magical land, the magical land has been uh, placed under the powerful curse of this wicked witch, this, this wicked snow queen. And, in, and what she has done in her curse is that she's cursed the land of Narnia so that it is always winter and never Christmas, is what the author says. And not only that, that she's a tyrant and anyone who opposes her rule, she turns them into stone. And so they just kind of under, under the snow chip away and fall into gravel and sand over time. And, and uh, eventually, four children come in, four human children come into Narnia, and uh, they are to become the kings and queens of Narnia, but they need help. And so the rebels with the children against the wicked witch, they're trying to help the children, and they say, hey, what have we heard? We've heard something. And those of you who read the books, it's such a sweet moment. It says, Aslan is on the move. Who's Aslan? Aslan is the king of Narnia, the true king, and he is on the move. And as he moves, the snow starts melting, and flowers start springing out of the ground, and rivers start popping up, and the, and, and the curse is broken. Well, this text that we see here tonight, this tells us that King Jesus is on the move against evil. And here in his temptations, he's locked and pitched battle with evil. Now, why does this matter? Why does this matter? Why should we pay attention to this? Well, I think there's two reasons. First, this is someone who fights for us, and second, it's something that we can fight for. So, first, it's someone who fights for us. The God of the Bible, King Jesus, is not a passive king who is way up there in heaven saying, "Man, I hope I hope evil just kind of go away over time. I will figure it out later." No. Jesus, the heart of the king, is set on victory. He is a combative king. He is a king who wades into war with anything and anyone that opposes him. Now, why is this good news? Because our world and your lives are desperately full of brokenness, hurt, pain, things that we trace back to evil we live in a world where we can check the news and find out brokenness and evil at any part of our world at any time and we're overwhelmed by it in fact scholars are realizing this is a source of our anxiety and our depression is that we're just so aware of everything that's broken in our world and in our lives Like we can see what's going on in Afghanistan right now in all of the evil and injustice. We can see all of the brokenness that's happening at the border. We can see how COVID is ravaging our world. And that's just on a global level. You all know the things that are happening in your lives, in your family's lives, in your parents' marriage, in your relationships with your siblings, and say there is so much brokenness, misery, sin, and evil in our world. And all of these things stem from Satan, who afflicts and wars against us. And King Jesus is a king whose heart fights for you and for me when we are his children. He loves his creation, he loves his people so much so that he will come down and do battle with the evil that opposes you and opposes me. And when we trust in Jesus, when we ally ourselves to Jesus, his victory becomes our victory. That's tremendously comforting because it means that when we face forces greater than ourselves, which we all will tomorrow, we know that the king of all creation is on our side and he is fighting and has fought for us. Matthew shows us the king who fights for us. But second, it gives us something to fight for. Many times I think we wonder in the Christian life, like, now what? (laughs) I'm this Christian thing now. Now what do I do? I get saved, I try to follow Jesus, and then I die? Is that all? Is Is that what I do right now? And one of my favorite verses in the Bible is Colossians 1, verse 13. Listen to this. It says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness, and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption. Well, what does this mean? One of my favorite books is the book, uh, it's a book by an old Russian author named called "The Brothers Karamazov." And one of the lines in this, there's a famous line that says this, and it says, "The devil struggles with God, and the battlefield is the human heart." What does this mean? Colossians 1 and Brothers Karamazov, what are they saying? It says that we must pick a side. We can't not be neutral in this fight. We're either on the side of Satan and we're under his spell, in his wrath, or we are on the side of Christ and we fight with and for him. And so this means that when we follow Jesus, we switch allegiances. We have been transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. And we become allies with Jesus, which means his fight becomes our fight. We join Jesus in the battle to push back the effects of brokenness, sin, misery, and wickedness in our world. And that's not just in the spiritual realm. It's not just praying. It's that, this is what's amazing. Everything that you are doing in college is preparation for fighting with King Jesus. Think of it this way. Think of it this way. All of you nursing students, when you fight disease, you are fighting the evil one with King Jesus. All of you criminal justice students or pre-law students, when you are fighting for justice and peace and equity in our world, you are fighting with King Jesus against oppression and evil. you thought about it that way? Social workers, when you fight for peace and compassion and order, you are fighting with King Jesus in the kingdom that he is bringing to our world engineers who are fighting for order for structure in our world that's how Jesus wants his world to be that that, that, what, what I'm saying here is that all of our lives all of our relationship all of our work can be and should be framed in as part of joining with what our king is doing in his combat against evil you are not just studying so that you can wait to die and be with Jesus no you are participating in his combat against evil And when Jesus combats evil, he recruits us to join his winning side and fight evil too. That offers tremendous purpose in your life. So the king, a combative heart of Jesus, one, it comforts us. We're on the winning side when we trust in him. And two, it gives us purpose. You see that? It gives us so much purpose. So that brings us to our second point, our second point, which is the heart committed to the word. How does Jesus fight Satan? Well, in today's text, he does it with Scripture. He does it with the Bible. At the core of Jesus' heart was a deep, deep commitment to Scripture. Notice, each time Satan goes after him, he quotes the Bible. He says, it is written. It is written. It is written. In other words, he says, the Bible says, look at verse 4. Verse 4 says, But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. What is he saying here? He's he's quoting a piece from Deuteronomy 8, and he says, every word that comes from the mouth of God. The Bible is God's word to us. The Bible is God's word to us. It is God speaking through this book. Somehow, mysteriously, God speaks through this book, even tonight, now, and that there is life. We don't just live by bread, but that we live our fullest lives dependent upon nurturing, feeding our hearts, our bodies, our minds on this book. The Bible is life. Me, the, not by bread alone, it means that we need the bread of life, of the, of the scripture, we need the words of the Bible to thrive, and we need it to endure the battlefield of life, to grow emotionally and spiritually. And Jesus models this to us in that he was utterly saturated in scripture, so that when Satan came and tempted him, he could say, I know the Bible so well that when I'm tempted, I can respond with scripture, with God's life-giving words to the evil one who attacks me. Jesus, has, it, Jesus' heart was committed to Scripture. Now, what does this mean for us? It means that if we're going to follow Jesus, if we're going to be joining with him in his combat, we have to know, soak our souls in our community, in our lives, into the Bible. We must know this thing backwards and forwards, that same commitment. Now, how do we do this? It's a big book. It's an intimidating book. I'll try to give you three tips, three tips, things that you can take home. First, know the arc of the Bible. Know the story arc of the Bible. Just like you know the story arc of Harry Potter, you know the story arc of Star Wars. Know the story arc, the narrative of the Bible. It's in four parts. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Creation, God created Everything. Everything that we see, God made it. He made it good. Fall. The evil one, Satan, broke it. He came in, invaded, tempted us, and we ate, By through Adam and Eve, we ate the forbidden fruit. And through that, sin and misery entered into our world. Three, redemption. God promises over and over and over again, I will not leave you in this sin and misery, but I will do whatever it takes to bring it back to the way it's supposed to be. And restoration. God will bring those of us who trust in him out of this sin and misery and to himself to a land of peace, justice, mercy, compassion, and joy. Know that story backwards and forwards. The best way I can tell you how to do that is there's a children's Bible that we give out all the time called the Jesus Storybook Bible, and it's so great. We have some copies in the back. Take one. It's free. It's my gift to you. And if we don't have enough, come back next week and I'll bring more. It shows us that story arc. Yes, it's a kid's Bible, but sometimes that's what we need. I can't recommend it enough. Second thing I can tell you to know, your, know, know the Bible is know your personal weakness and find scripture that speaks to that. Know the places in your story that the evil one will attack and find places to fort, find scripture to fortify yourself. Let me give two examples. I am a depressive person. I know this about myself. I have fought depression since I was 14 years old. And I know that if I'm going to effectively fight the times when I get depressed, I have to find verses in the Bible that will fortify me. So for me, I've memorized 2 Corinthians 4 and Psalm 64 because both of those passages talk about depression and they talk about not losing heart. So I know there are days where I'm going to be depressed and I, have to, I know those, those are the places I'm going to go. You have to know yourself and say, here's where I'm going to, this is where I'm weak. And I need to know the Bible in these places. Some of you, I'll just be frank, some of you drink too much. It's college, I get that. For you, I say, memorize Ephesians 5. Because Ephesians 5 tells us that the opposite of drunkenness is not soberness, but it's drunkenness in the Holy Spirit. It's drunkenness in singing songs, singing hymns. What happens when you get drunk? You go and you sing and you party with people. Jesus and Paul say, hey, the opposite of getting drunk is not just going and being a dour, sober you know, party killer. No, the opposite of getting drunk is filling our souls with, with songs, with songs about what God has done for us. That's amazing. He doesn't say, hey, don't party at all. He says, no, party around Jesus. So know that like these moments where you're like, man, I'm just, I'm, I want to party, I want to be, be joy-filled, remember Ephesians 5. So what I'm saying is find the places where you are tempted and apply Scripture to that. Now some of you are like, man, I don't know how to do that. That's what I'm here for. I'm a pastor. I know the Bible. It's my job to study it. I'd love to get coffee with you and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. Let's try and find places in the Bible that will speak to you, that you can fortify yourself in temptation. Lastly, I'll say this, third thing. So first thing, know the story. Second, know your weakness. And three, sit under the teaching. Be in spaces where you can be exposed to the Bible and have someone who has sat in it for a little longer than you can explain it well. That's why we do large group. That's why we have someone like me who is called and for some weird reason has done a lot of study in this thing to try and help a campus understand it. Not because I'm so great, but because I love the Bible and I love you and I want to connect the two. To expose, to equip, to arm you with scripture in your life. So find a church. If you don't have a church, please talk to someone on ministry team. We'd love to connect you to a place where you can be fortified in that. So you can study scripture and have someone. So second thing that we see in this is Jesus is committed to Scripture as he does his combat. Third thing, this is a shorter one, is that Jesus is the conqueror on our behalf. First, Jesus is combative with evil. This is hard. His second, his heart is committed to the Scripture. And third, he is our conqueror on our behalf. Look at verses 10 through 11. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him. Isn't that amazing? Jesus wins, just like that. He says, "Get," and the Satan says, "I'm done. I'm out. You win. I'm out." I mean, it's incredible. Satan obeys Jesus. And the Greek here, the original language, it's not like Satan saying, "Well, I'll just, uh, you know, I'm leaving because I'm done." No, it's he says, "You win. I'm out." That's what the original language says here. Over and over again in his ministry, Jesus conquers evil forces, both explicitly in casting out demons, but also by defeating diseases, healing people, feeding the hungry. He wins. And I was thinking of this again. I was thinking of a Marvel movie. They're all over the Marvel movies. I watched the first Iron Man on Sunday. And, and the, remember, if you remember that movie, the, the, the scene where, where Tony Stark makes his first Iron Man suit, and he's been trapped in a cave... Uh, kidnapped by some terrorists and he's escaping and he comes out of the cave and he's got this suit and the terrorists are waiting there with their rifles and they fire away at him and he just takes the, you know, he takes the bullets and then, he, and then it stops and what does he say? My turn. Boom! And he lights them up and he absolutely obliterates them. Well that's what's going on here. Is Satan gave Jesus his best shot at his temptation. And Jesus now says, my turn. And y'all, it gets better. Do you know what happened? Just like, this is weird, but it's true. Just like Tony Stark worked out of a cave and obliterated him, Jesus Christ, three years later, walked out of a cave alive. Satan killed him. And then Jesus walks out of a cave alive and says, my turn. I win. I am the conquering king. You've got nothing on me. I am the one who has triumphed over death. The story here is of Jesus triumphing, conquering over Satan, death, and evil. Here in Matthew 4, Jesus endures the full weight of temptation and he obeys when Adam and Eve disobeyed. He succeeds when Adam and Eve failed. Jesus is the conquering king who defeats evil on your and my behalf when we are powerless. Against Satan. That's what this text shows us about Jesus' heart. He is combative against evil and he conquers. Sorry, y'all. He conquers evil. He's compassionate and gentle and peaceful towards his friends, but he is absolutely ruthless against his enemies. He has no mercy on his enemies. In 1 Corinthians 15, what does Paul say? He says, Jesus rose from the dead, and when he rose from the dead, defeating death, he defeats the one who has power over our death, Satan himself, and he says, you have no power here, and anyone who follows me is joined to me in life. He breaks the power of sin, disease, oppression, abuse, assault, all of those things Jesus completely conquers by his death, and he gives you and me life. That's the king that I need in my life. That's the king that you need in your life. That's the king that your friends need in your life. If you know that, then tell them to I love you so much, you need a king in your life who will conquer the evil in your life. That's the king I need. In the 1600s, a group of pastors, I'm done with this, wrote a study question about Jesus the king, and they wrote this. They said, Jesus, our king, is our king who rules and defends us and he restrains and conquers all his and our enemies. That's the heart of the king for you. Trust him. Fight with him. And he will win. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, um, thank you for this text that shows us the conquering king. That shows us how he conquers through your word, through his death. Lord, may we be truly his allies. We pray that you would restrain and conquer all your and our enemies. And until that day when you do it finally, equip us to be your faithful servants. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay. okay, let me look at my phone.